there are students I had this school year that have poured into me and changed who I am or have reminded me of why I do what I do. Even those kids that are your hard kids. I had a kid one year that screaming at me in the hall and I just looked at him and I said, you can yell at me every day. You can scream at me every day. You can despise me every day, but I'm gonna show up and love you every day. I'm gonna love you every day. Even if you don't like me, I'm gonna love you. Well, we are back, everybody. Welcome back to Leading Through Unprecedented Times. I'm Tom Murray, your host, and what an absolute honor it is for this episode to bring in the one and only Lori Smith, my friend. Lori, how are you? Good to have you here. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Lori was the National Rural Teacher of the Year. And I've got to tell you, Lori, last summer, I walk into Cooperstown, Cooperstown, New York. We're walking in. I walk in. I get there and you're actually speaking. I sit down and it didn't take very long before I said to myself, I need to get to know this amazing teacher, this incredible lady, your story, just the way you radiate, just the the love that you have for people just completely speaks to everything that you believe. And it has been an honor to stay connected to you this past year and now call you a friend. And I'm so excited to bring you on the podcast so school and district leaders around the country can get a glimpse into your story, into your journey, to be encouraged and inspired as they hit the summer months. So welcome to the podcast. Lori, take a couple moments, if you would, tell us a little little bit about who you are, where you're from, the work that you do each and every day. And thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am from Nebraska, tiny town, Sumner, about 225 people. I work in a consolidated school. So three towns, Sumner, Eddyville, Miller. I've been teaching for 27 years. Um, I've taught every grade except kindergarten and sixth grade. Um, And I just continue to love what I do every single year. Yeah, that's awesome. Lori, you know, your positivity radiates. And one of the things that really struck me last summer, I still remember the story. And you talked about a moment in time about 20 years ago that completely changed your perspective on on the work that we do and why it is. And I remember you talked about why and purpose and all those different pieces, but then really brought it back to just this moment in time, this story that was so incredibly powerful. A year later, I can still process it and think about the things you were talking about because it fundamentally shifted your lens and the way in which you had seen just kind of the purpose of this work. And I know for some folks listening, sometimes it takes that. It takes this crisis. There's this event, this thing that happens for us to reprioritize. I think, you know, hey, this podcast was kicked off two weeks into COVID because we recognize, wow, here's this life event that's hitting all of us. We've got to do some things a little bit differently. But for you, part of your journey is so personal and an event that really changed the lens. Talk to us and bring us back to those moments. What what was happening, what your perspectives were, and just how it's changed you fundamentally into the educator you are today. Yeah, I um, always thought I was a teacher that built good relationships with students. Um, I had a couple things happen in my first few years of teaching that should have been a paradigm shift for me, but was not. Um, And then I was teaching. It was the last day before the last day of school. And I had this student that I was going to keep in first grade the next year. And we were going to meet with her parents just to go over things, make sure we had everything, how we wanted it. And the next day, and so I waited and mom was late, mom was late. And so Jared walked across the 
town. It was another small school. I'm a rural school lady. Um, walked across town and we were sitting there and I had the six-year-old little girl sitting by me and she was talking because she was so excited. And I was sitting there with, I need to get this done. I need to get this done, doing this, doing this. Very much thinking of myself and what I had to do. And I kept looking and I was like, okay, now it's 15 minutes. I'm not going to have any time to get anything done because I need to go pick up my kids from daycare. And mom drives up the street in an RV and I'm like, finally. And so I walk her to the car to the RV and I walk around, I put her in the RV and I shut the door and I walk back around and I talk to mom. We're going to meet tomorrow. Yep. Yep. Um, and she was a struggling reader. And so we were focusing on how we were going to improve that and drove away. I went back in the building, looked at the time, realized I needed to get to pick up my kids. And so I walked outside, not even five minutes past. Um, we were on the interstate in Nebraska. So I walk outside and there's smoke in the distance and I hear sirens, which when you're on the interstate, that's not an uncommon thing to hear sirens. And um, I go to my car, go pick up my kids, go home. And my teacher's aide, a high school girl calls me and she's like, Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Smith, Haley was in an accident. Haley was in an accident. And I was like, well, she'll probably be okay. And she's like, no, she's, I, she was in a, a fire, an RV fire out by the interstate. And I was like, what? And my husband, um, was on the ambulance crew. So I called him and he didn't answer. And he didn't answer. So then I got to thinking he's probably on the call, probably on the call. And he finally answers. And I said, is Haley okay? And he said, we'll talk when I get home. And she and some other, her sibling that was also there with me sitting, died in that RV fire. So I spent the last eight hours of a six-year-old's life with her, focused on what I needed to do, focused on what was best for me. I sat the last 10 minutes of her life with her, focused on packing up my classroom, you know, focused on what was for supper. All of those things that seem important, that are important, but she was, should have been my focus at that time. And so then I went to school the next day, had to clean out a locker, had to clean out a desk, um, and not, it just still makes me think back to, would she have been a bad reader or a struggling reader, I should say, if I would have built a relationship with her? She used to come up to me and tap me all the time. Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Smith, I want to tell you my story about my cat. I want to do this. I want to tell you this because she loved animals. And I'd be like, just a minute, Haley, I got to finish what I'm doing. Never went back to that story. Never went back to find her. Mrs. Smith now goes back to those stories. Mrs. Smith now takes five minutes at the beginning of every day with a today's question. And it has absolutely zero to do with academics. <laughs> Absolutely zero. My students learn that I don't like spaghetti. My students know that I'm a picky eater. My students know things about my own family. They know that my son is a rancher here. They know that my middle boy's at UNK. They know my daughter's going to Concordia. Like they know me as Lori, but still call me Mrs. Smith. Lori, you know, I um just like I am now, the when I heard you share that story for the first time my own emotions. I had tears streaming down my cheeks and, uh, 
it brings me back to just, I'm sure as it did to our listeners, to, to that event, to that moment, to that last day with that student for me, for that day with my last day with my mentor, to those moments. And number one, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing. Thank you for sharing your reflection. Thank you for sharing how that moment in time and even just questioning the the what if for you. And, the, you know, I was the last 10 minutes and look where I was focused. Your, your vulnerability there is, is encouraging and, and courageous. So thank you for sharing that. You know, as I think about you sharing that, it, it reminds me of, of just this importance of being present in the moment. And that's what you're talking about. And I know educators all across the country, every, I've never met the educator that says like, Tom, I got so much time on my hands. Like, give me some more stuff to do. I know like, Hey, scheduling this podcast. You're like, I got between two thirty three and two thirty seven on Tuesday. And that, like, like that was your availability, right? And every teacher, yes. every educator that I know, but if we're not careful and I can be so guilty of this, like we can be not present in the moments that matter so much, or in some cases when we didn't know it was going to be the last. Right. And I think we can all relate to that in some sense, but just your own shift in mindset, it really, it's kind of that notion of like, I have to versus I, I get to, right. I get to sit next to a student and get to connect with them and have the privilege of building that relationship and that connection and that love that will last for so long. In fact, as we were catching up, you actually just shared a story before we started to hit record here and catching up about a story recently with um, your daughter's trainer and your daughter's like the track star, but how, you know, years later, the relationship and the connection was still there, right? Um, in my book, Personal and Authentic, I talk about a story of to me, one of the most powerful memories I have of my mentor, of this young couple walking down. And I think it was after school one day, it was a young couple, they were carrying a bassinet. And I just figured, hey, like, you know, maybe it was just parents. They were just young parents. I didn't think anything of it. But I heard this. I heard them pull up to Mark Weeder's door and they said, Mr. Weeder, Mr. Reeder, do you remember me? And I heard this pause and Mark, my mentor's room across the hall. And I heard him say, Sam, Sam, is that you, Sam? And he says, yeah, Mr. Weeder, I had you 20 years ago. Do you remember me? And I'm 21 years old at the time being like, 20 <laughs> years ago, I was one, right? But the most powerful words that came from it, and then I want to ask you to reflect on what just happened to you. The most powerful words that, that happened there is as Mark, my mentor, was walking across, and I can still picture it, to go give Sam a big hug after 20 years, Sam turns to his bride and said, honey, that's the teacher I've always told you about. That's him. That's Mr. Weeder. And so in that connection, in that moment, that's not somebody that just focused on content. That's not somebody that just said, "Turn here's the worksheet, turn it in. I'm going to check it in a grade book. There was a relationship there. And to want to go visit somebody 20 years later speaks to that. And you are absolutely, and I'm sure our listeners can already see it, you are that type of teacher that builds that connection, that love, that creates a safe, inclusive space where kids want to be. And as we're catching up, I'm going to put you on the spot because you're an incredibly humble person, but you shared this story of your, you know, there's your all-star daughter track with her trainer and experience. So talk to us about the power of a teacher. And I think it's going to bring our listeners back to that moment years later when we've all had something like that, that just reminds us of our impact and the power of relationships. So what was that like for you recently? It reminded me that the lessons matter, but they don't. That the lessons, the data will come with the relationship. The the improvement will come with the relationship. Um, this girl who's in her mid twenties. Now we were at the trainer and she kept looking over at me and I was looking at her like, I know who this is. 
And finally, the, the guy that was with her comes over and he says, oh, are you Mrs. Smith? I'm, I'm Taya's husband. I'm like, oh, Taya? I, I thought that was Taya. I had Taya as a second grader. So then Taya comes over, which I'd seen, we'd seen each other off and on all summer, but never had like been at the same moment there, just kind of in passing. And she comes over and she's like, Mrs. Smith, you were my favorite teacher. And I had her in second grade over, over 20 years ago. And she said, I hated school when I came to you and you made me love school and you made me believe I could do it. And I am who I am today because of you. And I was like, well, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a nurse practitioner who works on hearts. And I'm like, second grade science. Yeah, that is exactly where it was. But it wasn't the second grade science that got her there. And if you know me, you know that she impacted me enough as a second grader that she changed me. So there are students I had this school year that have poured into me and changed who I am or have reminded me of why I do what I do. Even those kids that are your hard kids. I had a kid one year that screaming at me in the hall and I just looked at him. I said, you can yell at me every day. You can scream at me every day. You can despise me every day, but I'm going to show up and love you every day. I'm going to love you every day. Even if you don't like me, I'm going to love you. Yeah. Powerful words. And, you know, sometimes we take things so personal, right? You know, when the student might be acting up or whatever, it's easy for us to, my class or my rules, we take it so personal. But one of the things that I know you speak when you get to speak to school and district leaders and other teachers around the country, one of the things I know you talk about is really getting to know your people. For our school and district leaders that are listening, this isn't just about kids. Obviously, the focus of everything that we do, our why, but this is also about getting to know your staff, getting to know your people, modeling as administrators what that looks like for your teachers to then in turn do it. You know, obviously we've got a lot of summer coming up, which everybody needs and deserves here. We spend a lot of time focusing on that in that first couple of days of school, that first week. And then sometimes it's almost like, all right, back to normal. Here we go. We got to dive right in. And Talk to us a little bit about the importance of, or just even ways to to get to know your people, whether it's administrator to teacher, teacher to teacher, teacher to student. What's that look like for you? Yep. Relationships come on all different levels. So you, you build that relationship on a foundation, but then the deeper you build that relationship, the more at ease someone's going to feel, feel in talking with you, trusting you, doing things for you. My students do more for me and work harder for me. And I at them as that relationship is built. So in a building administrator role, knowing your staff, knowing I can talk to Mrs. Smith this way because she can handle this when I need to be real careful approaching this person this way is no different than what administrators are putting upon their teachers to do. Like get to know Johnny because his home life is this. Well, your teachers, even though they're adults, have those things in their backpack. I talk a lot about students coming to school with bricks in their backpacks. And some of them have one brick that it's all colored and painted beautifully. And then there's kids like the one that despised me. And I said, I will love you every day. That came with bricks in his backpack that I, as an adult, have never carried or will never carry in my backpack. But I'm still expecting him to do in the classroom what the one with the beautiful brick is doing. And so teachers are the same. They come with bricks in their backpack every day. And just that grace and getting to know them and building that relationship so that you feel comfortable as a teacher going into your administrator and saying, hey, 
I just found this out about my parent last night. I am really struggling and I'm going to do my job the best I can, but I need you to know I might call down here and need five minutes. And the administrator being able to say, I have your back. Yeah. How about it? You know, one of the pieces that I'm thinking about, it was, we, we interjected it very early in the, in the conversation around this notion of, of being a real rural school and, and coming together. You know, it's interesting because in our podcast and in one of the last episodes, we're going to have Dr. Calvin Watts, who's the superintendent of one of the largest districts in the nation, a few hundred thousand kids, but that's not your world. Talk to us just for a, a few moments. Cause I want to give some folks context. Cause I think there's, there's certainly um, struggles when it comes to being really rural and things that are just challenges that maybe the average listener may not even come, you know, come to grips with or be processing because it's just not on their radar. But I think there's also a unique nimbleness that can happen and sense of community that can happen, especially in our great rural schools. So give some context about why being rural like you are and what numbers do you have? How many, how many students are in your school? Just out of curiosity, give people some context and just what it's like to teach in a rural community. Yeah, I am in a pre-K-12 district, one building, so this year in preschool, my niece Hadley, who's four, was in preschool in the same building with my daughter, who's 18. So we're in the same building of 200 students pre-K-12. I had 12 students in my class this year. Um, next year, I'll have 14. Josie just graduated with 20. That's pretty big for us. Um, it is a family. The school is the hub of the community. When something is happening at the school, everyone's here. When something good or bad happens at the school, everyone knows. Um, it's just, you know, your students continually. So my first class that I had at SEM, I had as third graders. I, it was a different kind. Of, I taught third grade in the morning and preschool in the afternoon. So it was a different kind of situation. Then they moved me to fourth grade. So I had those kids for two years. But then I just got invited to one of their, their weddings. And then I got a baby announcement. Like it doesn't stop for the majority of the students when they leave your classroom. They're still a part of your heart and a part of your family forever. And that is a little bit easier in a rural district because you, especially in mine, because you see them in the hall and you build that relationship continually, not just when they're in your room. It's just continually as they go through the halls. Yeah. No, I love that. And it's interesting because some folks, their eyes probably listening to this got really large. And she said, 12 kids? Like, what in the world is that like? <laughs> but also recognizing in at Future Ready, doing some work with rural schools, just also sometimes some of the struggles with resources and some of the things that other suburban or larger districts take for granted, you know, is a real luxury sometimes just from a sustainability end in a rural district and some needs that come to that as well. But I love the community feel and what you're saying. I love even what you can do when you have an 18-year-old and a pre-K walking down the same hallway. There's some just real neat aspects to that. We do once a month a we have pizza delivered to our school, which is a pretty big thing. We don't we have Little Caesars pizza once a month at our school and we pair up so the preschoolers pair up with the seniors and have lunch and do an activity. So they get to know each other that way, which also builds relationships student to student and not just teacher to student. 
Yeah, I love that. And as we've highlighted some of the end of the year stuff, some of the real neat things happening in rural schools to send off their family at the higher grade levels. And speaking of uh, your daughter being one of those, one of the things I wanted to catch up and congrats on her amazing success this year. And I always loved as you you came through, your family was such a part of your presenting and presentation and bringing it back. And we were talking about her success in track, but her journey over the last few years and how it wasn't just this like um, incredible success out of the gate, like just some lessons learned. And later on this season, we're going to have uh, Lindsay Tarpley join us. She's a two-time Olympic athlete, NCAA player of the year, amazing athlete. And then um, she's going to talk about a lot of the connections to some of the things I know that we were catching up prior to track and the journey there, some of the hard work and the challenges to ultimately the success that she just had a few weeks ago. So tell us a little bit about that. Make some connections to being a mom to her, her your daughter's uh, track and connections um, to just everyday life and teaching. Yeah. So when I lost my student, the Lori Smith that taught before that, that Taya got to experience is not the Lori Smith that teaches now. The Lori Smith that teaches now is at a deeper level as a mom, a teacher, a friend, all the things. And Josie um, was seconds away from making, she didn't have track her freshman year because of COVID. Sophomore year, she was seconds away from qualifying for state in the two mile. Junior year comes, she puts in a lot of work. Junior year comes and they take, she didn't win her district, but they take six additional qualifiers across the state on time and she missed it by three seconds, junior year. So then um, senior year, she makes it, she gets second in her district and she makes it to state and she had some big goals of what she wanted to do as we do as educators. We have big goals of what we want to do. And she wanted to make the podium, but she had to get eighth and she ended up 10th. And she came over and just tears streaming. And I said to her, I said, your impact as a runner is not based on your medal on the stand. You have no idea the impact you make on the people you run with because of how you poured into them, how you talked to them, how you reacted to things. And something I didn't share with you before is she actually did have a girl come up to her that she ran with all year at state track and this girl made it on time and she said i want to be the person you are and the runner you are after running with you and this girl's just a freshman and i told josie i said sometimes our medals are not worn around our neck sometimes our medals are worn in other people as they walk the path that you've walked and you guide them and direct them and help them and build that relationship to make them a better person which in turn makes you a better person because they're pouring into you at the same time. To think that I change a student's life, these nine and 10 year olds that sit in this classroom from August to May, they change me every year and they remind me why I do what I do. And they bring me back when I need to be brought back to what I need to remember. Yeah, I love that. Such power in that. If I'm a school and district leader thinking just the 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 persistence that's needed, the hits that come, the the times we feel let down, but then turning around and recognizing, wow, our impact is amazingly vast. And it's so easy to lose sight of that at times. So I just want to ask you real quick as we start to wrap down wrap up here, um, just to reflect on this past year. You know, we just wrapped up the year. Here we are in June, and some folks are still wrapping up in the next couple of weeks. Um What's a reflection or a takeaway that you have from this year, the past year, the experience that you had um, as you reflect on your past school year? So in the past school year, I have taught, finished my master's degree, graduated a child. So I would say 
never thinking I'm there. Like I'm continually changing, continually molding into something different and bettering myself and never believing that I'm there and expecting that in my students as well as myself. And every year I just think I can't love, a, I can't love these kids more. As I send them in to Erica, the fifth grade teacher, I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to love the next class more. And every year I'm like, seriously, you have to stay. I love you. You can't go. And so. You, you know, Laura, your, your humility, your vulnerability just completely radiates in all that you do. And my ultimate compliment, I would put my babies in your classroom in a heartbeat. I'm going to ask you one more question. I want you to process from the heart. We have thousands of school and district leaders that listen to the podcast you know, as they look out to this summer and then into next year, what's one piece of advice, whether it's a teacher listening or a superintendent listening, as you look forward into the summer, into next school year, just one piece of advice you have for them, regardless of where they they are on, on their journey? Take time. Take time to go beyond the standards. Take time to go beyond the data. If you're a teacher, take time to go beyond the lesson. Take five minutes with a simple question of what's your favorite candy bar? Same with an administrator, like your scores are gonna come as you pour into your teachers. Get to know them, take time to have a staff meeting and say, guess what, we're not having a meeting. Like just giving those like moments of, I know you need a moment, so we're gonna get to know each other and not talk school. Love that. Absolutely love that. Lori, if if folks want to reach out, how can they connect? They can catch me on Twitter. They can catch me on Facebook. They can catch me on Instagram. Um, My email is lsmith at scmustangs.org. I'm on all the things. So I would love to connect with anyone. Awesome. As the superintendents are about to send out the recruiting email to you right now, right there. Lori, it is (laughs) No surprise in anyone's mind why you were awarded National Rural Teacher of the Year by one of our partners in REA and the incredible work. Congratulations again on that. Thank so well deserved. Uh, I'm sure there's not a single listener right now wondering where that came from because you've proven that time and time again. That's Lori Smith, everybody. Lori, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Tom. Mm-hmm.